All right, guys, let's begin week three of our series now. So we're in this series called Prince of Peace. We're all going to dive into the word. We want to welcome all of our campuses and our online folks right now. We're in the middle of this series where Jesus is portrayed by heaven, okay? So we gave him titles as people, but these are the heavenly titles, and one of those titles is Prince of Peace. And as you walk in any of our campuses, or if you're looking online, you'll see that everything has a specific look to it. It's a little bit of a throwback to the 1960s. Everything looks like the 60s, from the trees, the way the lobbies are, and that's on purpose because we wanted you to kind of get in that mindset. Now, the 1960s, I I, I was not here for them, but I hear they were great, but some of the stuff that I've seen from the 60s are really cool. Like you got Elvis and the Beatles and really cool hairdos. And, and then for me, the, I think the greatest car that's ever been built was built in the 1960s. It's this guy right here. I love the, uh, the Mustang. Yeah, I got some Mustang fans out there. They were awesome, 1960s. They're cool. But that's not what we're pointing you to. What we're wanting you to think about is the fact that in the 1960s, some big things happened. And one of them was the peace movement. There was this massive peace movement. And basically what we said as a society, society as is we collectively said we think we can achieve peace if we work hard enough if we do some things if we stop doing other things we can achieve peace but we know waking up in 2023 we didn't pull that off right it didn't work and so we're saying through the series the first thing that has to happen is we have to receive peace we cannot achieve it you have to receive it from the lord And so what we have seen is God did that. He reconciled us to himself. He made peace through his son, Jesus, and we were able to receive peace. And those of us who receive peace end up having peace within us because we we are anxious, jittery people, aren't we? And we've got all kinds of stuff rolling around inside of us. The Bible promises that Jesus brings peace inside of us. And today we're going to look at the fact that Jesus will also help us become people who bring peace wherever we go. That brings us to another thing that happened here in the 1960s, and it is the civil rights movement. There were a lot of great people that said, hey, it's not okay that people are treated differently because of the color of their skin. And so we've got to do something. And that's what you're going to see today is sometimes peace requires doing something. And those of us who have received peace should be the ones who are willing to make peace and see that happen. So in the 1960s, there'd be scenes like this famous scene where a group of people Together, arm in arm, marched from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery, Alabama to try to say, hey, this is not okay. We got to change this. And in our region, we kind of got to own our story here. And we got to admit that, that, that we bought into the lie of what the world offers. The world offers counterfeit peace. You know what counterfeit peace looks like? Hey, let's take all the black folks and have them go to school over there and all the white folks can go to school over here. And that'll keep the peace. That's counterfeit. That's the kind of peace the world offers. That's not what Jesus offers. We're going to see today. He offers and then demands that we seek real peace, real relational peace with others. So with that in mind, as we look back at the 1960s, civil rights movement did absolutely pull off some really great things. But of course we wake up still with a lot of these issues. And so what do we do as Christians? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. So now that we're in that mindset, let's go to the Word of God and see what does the Bible tell us about this issue of peace with others. So let's go to Isaiah 9, 6. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, 
And his name shall be called. So here's those heavenly titles. You ready? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And here's the one we're landing the plane on for December this year, Prince of Peace. Jesus was given to us by God, sent on a mission to bring us peace. And what we have seen is that sequence that we keep repeating each week, right? The Prince of Peace brings us first peace with God. Reconciliation with God through the cross through the death of his son, through the blood of Jesus, there is no other way for sinful humans to have peace with a holy God except through Jesus. That was week one. Week two, we looked at the fact that he brings peace within us. We have this peace that Jesus brings, supernatural, and we learned last week it will guard our hearts and it will rule our hearts, right? That's protection and direction. Both of those things the peace of God does. And then finally, we're gonna look at today, He empowers us to have peace with others. And we could look at it this way. So far during the series, it's all been been about what God does for us. Week one, God reconciles us to himself through Christ. Week two, uh, Paul wrote and he said, let the peace of God that's already yours rule your heart and mind. It's kind of like having a tool in the garage that you never use. And and, and it's yours. It was given to you. you. It belongs to you. You can use it, but you got to turn it on. And that's what Paul was saying last week. We've got to activate the peace that God has given us. But today, this one's going to be a lot about what we've got to go do now. God's given us peace and empowered us to do something with that peace. Now, don't forget this. Our hinge verse for this series, John 14, 27, Jesus talks to us about his peace. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is important. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace of Jesus is different than the peace you can get in the world. Well, what does the world's peace look like? Well, we just gave you an example. Segregated schools. That's world peace. Seriously. That's us trying to achieve peace. Hey, because world peace says that peace is the absence of strife or the absence of any kind of problems. And and so that's, hey, let's just, you guys stay over there and hey, you guys stay over there and that'll be peace. No, that's that's not the kind of peace Jesus offered. That's the world's peace. That's counterfeit. What is, what does Jesus offer? Remember the word? When he says peace, he's using an ancient word and it's called shalom. It's called shalom. Now, what does shalom mean? It doesn't mean the absence of anything. It means the presence of wholeness and flourishing. And that's important for us to understand. Because when Jesus says that he brings us and gives us peace, that's what he's talking about. And when he tells us today that we've got to do something with that peace, that's what he's talking about. We must become people who want to see not just Uh, The absence of quarreling or fighting or having hard conversations. No, no, no. That's fake peace. He wants to see wholeness and healthy relationships. That's That's what the Bible is talking about when it talks about shalom. And so with all of that in mind, now that we understand that the peace the Bible is talking about is shalom peace. And this world offers all kinds. And by the way, in your marriages, you could settle for fake peace. And you're going to find out that in your relationships with your family, you could settle for fake peace. What does that look like? Well, at least no one threw a fork at each other at the Christmas dinner. It was really peaceful. That's not what Jesus talked about. 
Like if my wife and I get angry with each other, we could have fake peace. We could say, you know what? I'm, we're not going to talk to each other ever. Six months in, you could come and be like, hey, how's it going? How's the marriage going? Oh, it's great. We don't fight at all. Really? Yeah, because we don't talk. Seriously, six months? Six months. Not said a word to each other. You would know something's up, but I would say, dude, best six months ever. We've not had a fight in six months. And you would say to me, brother, that's because you're not talking. Like, that's not a real relationship, right? Yet that is exactly what we, what we settle for often. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 what I want for you is so much more. What I've called you to is so much more than that. So in his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus throws down the gauntlet. And he says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are, and I'm having a hard time reading today, the lights are weird, blessed are the, um, the peace triers. No, what does it say? Peace attempters? Gosh, it's so hard to read this. Um, uh, peace, oh, there it is. Peacemakers. Peacemakers. Well, now that's challenging. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Oh, now that's raising the bar. Now, what you want to do is flip that verse and read it backwards, and here's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that you can earn your salvation by becoming a peacemaker. He's saying if you're really a son and a daughter of the living God, here's one of the things we'll see in you. You will become more and more and more a peacemaker. It will be a mark. Look, let's just be honest. If somebody's your parent, there's going to be, you're going to figure it out. You're going to be like, oh, there it is, you know? Like, you can look at my kids and see some of me and some of Nan. And, and my kids, if you're around them long, you go, that sounds like his dad, or that, that's just like Nan, or, or my wife. And you'll see that. It's true of your kids as well. There's markers that let us know, oh, they, you, I know who you grew up with in the house. I, I get it. I know you're, you're that guy's kid, that lady's kid. Yep. And, and what Jesus is saying here is, if you are a son and daughter of God, here's something that people will see about you. You're going to do something with the peace you've received. You're going to begin to do something something with that you're going to become by conviction a peacemaker now that is at its heart that term that Jesus is challenging us with is this it is proactive peacemaker means proactive what that means is it's not enough for me to go boy I wish we had peace well done well done you wish for peace right Every beauty pageant contestant for all times at least gotten there, y'all. It's not enough. As Christians, Jesus is like, it's not enough. It's not enough for you to just wish we had peace in the family. It's not enough for me to sit for six months, right, and not talk to my wife and just wish it were better. No, no, no. Jesus says, if you're a son and a daughter of God, there's a new thing pounding in your chest that says, get up and break the ice. By the way, is that not the hardest thing in the world in a marriage, right? When, when may, even when, when you get mad at each other and, and it's like, man, but you're going to be the first one to break the ice. Why is that so hard as adults to do that? Well, it's because we're all sinful, we all have our flesh still very much there holding us back. But the Bible says Jesus is doing a new thing in us. His peace he gives to us. He came on a mission to bring peace, and we've been sent on a mission to bring peace. Peace is at its heart proactive. He goes on in Matthew 5, 43 to 48. Listen to what he says. He, he helps you understand that maybe what you've heard normal is not what he's calling us to. He says, you've heard that it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Well, that's easy, right? Isn't that what we all, that's the flesh. That's what we all do. uh, Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's an inward and an external rhythm he's got there. Love, internal, pray, external. Verse 45, so that, and here's that phrase again, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he, so this is what God does. He makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Poor old tax collectors. They get it hard in the Bible, don't they? Verse 47. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Watch this. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Hey, no problem there, right? So Jesus just ratcheting it up. But what does he say? Let's get to the heart of it. Once again, use the Bible to commentate upon itself. We know that the Bible says we cannot earn our salvation. So we do not do peacemaking in order to get God to save us or be pleased with us. But it is a result of our salvation when it is authentic that we become empowered to be peacemakers in our homes, in our churches, and yes, even out there in the world. Jesus is teaching us a rhythm here, by the way. It's an internal posture, love, your enemies, and an external activity, pray. That's what it looks like for us to be peacemakers. It's a feeling that becomes an action, okay? It's a feeling that you do something with. That's what peacemaking means. God gives you a new heart. Your new heart longs for wholeness and shalom. God made you that way. You want this now. You don't want things to be broken in relationships. In your offices where you work, in your schools where you teach, in your home, in your marriage. This is why Christianity looks different. In our churches, we seek for wholeness with one another. Okay, It's a new desire God gives us. Otherwise, we wouldn't care. Otherwise, we would do like he says. Eh, even, even the tax collectors do that. Even the Gentiles do that. But we want more. We want more than that. And we will do the hard work to get there because God has empowered us to do so. So what Jesus is saying here is, look, it's easy to love people who love you. Isn't that true? Isn't it easy to be friends with people who think you're awesome? That's easy to love them. He's basically saying, no credit for you. How do you handle people? Watch this. I've always thought that one of the greatest signs of a person's character is how do they treat someone who cannot reciprocate in any way? What do you like then? What are you like? How do you treat, which is why, listen, when I'm with someone I've never been around, if we got to dinner or something like that, my antennas are up to seeing how a person treats a waitress or a waiter or the person that's helping them. My antennas are up so high because that person's telling me who they really are. Not how they treat me in that moment or how they treat some. How do they treat the person that can't really do anything for them in that moment? That's telling you something. That's what Jesus is saying here. Hey, don't tell me about being nice to your friends. Tell me how you treat people who are not kind to you. Who the world would look at and go, that's your enemy. What does that look like? Well, now, Jesus is just meddling now, isn't he? 
This is hard stuff, but it's what he's called us to do. And by the way, he modeled it for us. Jesus gave us a model to follow. If you look through his life, Jesus did these things. Now, shalom peace that he sought to bring, it did not uh, exclude truth. Jesus told hard truth to people. But Jesus sat on a rooftop with Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees. They all hated him, right? He sat on a rooftop one night and gave Nicodemus a theology lesson, which produced the, the most famous scripture in the entire Bible. Jesus was not preaching when he gave us our most famous verse. It was not in the Sermon on the Mount. It was not in some famous discourse that he gave. It was not at the Mount of Olives. It was on a rooftop, hanging out with a Pharisee, that Jesus looked that man in the eye and said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but would have everlasting life. Where'd that come from? It came from Jesus being a peacemaker. It came from Jesus saying, your whole bunch, your whole tribe is coming after me and I will sit here and talk to you. I, what about Jesus with Pilate? Pilate was a monster. We know historically, Pilate famously went to the temple where the Jews were doing sacrifices and he slaughtered a bunch of them to prove a point and then mingled their blood. It's in your Bible. He mingled their blood with the blood of the sacrifices just to prove a point. He was brutal on a level you can't even imagine. Jesus ends up on trial with him. And do you remember the conversations? Jesus is talking to him about truth. Jesus is talking to him about philosophy. Jesus is talking to him about the kingdom. Jesus is reminding him that he does not have the power that he thinks he does one time. That was one of my favorite moments in the Bible. Do you know I can crucify you? No, 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 you don't have any power. That might have been surprising for Pilate to hear. But it was a conversation. Jesus would sit down with people who were coming against him. He modeled this for us. Listen, and he tells us that our heavenly father makes his son rise, which means he does good things. It's proactive. God blesses even evil people. Listen, don't ever forget, the Roman soldier swinging the hammer, driving nails into the Prince of Peace's hands and feet. They were using hands God created, muscle tissue he gave them, strength he gave them, breathing the air he provided for them underneath the sun that he made arise the morning they crucified the Son of God, the most heinous act in human history, and God was allowing his son and his heir and his creative power over their bodies to be good to them and if that wasn't enough when they hung him on the cross his voice could be heard saying father forgive them yeah he modeled it for us you will never forgive anyone of as much as jesus has forgiven you don't ever forget that you're not gonna outdo jesus with dealing with difficult people i mean have you read anything about peter james and john in the bible Jesus knows what it feels like to be absolutely stabbed in the back. He knows what it's like to have people act like they don't even know him. That he had been good to? Yeah, yeah. He gets all of that and still says to us, blessed are the peacemakers. Verse 48 in chapter 5 again, you must be perfect. In other words, we need to act like our daddy. That's what he's saying. This is what your father does. Act more like him. Be more like him. That's what he's saying. Jesus taught that that internal posture has to become external activity. Too many of us feel without action. We hope, listen, 
We hope for peace. Good, do something about it. I hope things get better. Good, have a conversation. I wish things, good, I'm glad. Do something. Write the letter, write the card, invite the person to the coffee. Have the conversation because we're not just peace hopers and we're not just peace triers and we're not just peace attempters. We are, by the power of God, peacemakers, amen? That's who God's called us to be. We do something with this peace God's given us. Now, Paul is going to do what many of the New Testament authors do. They take what Jesus said and modeled, and then they just explain it further. And in the book of Hebrews, we have uh, this incredible verse that's going to give us a word that I think is helpful today. So I think this is a pivotal word to help us understand the peacemaker thing, the thing that we're supposed to be doing. You ready? Here we go. And you see it. It's right there on your page. It's that first word. So online at every campus even here, let's just say it together on the count of three, just that first word. One, two, three. Strive for peace. Now, those two words don't go together. Strive feels like the opposite of peace. Strive for peace with... Now, why did they have to put this in here? There's all kinds of things in the Bible, and I'm like, seriously? Everyone. Everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone. Strive, strive, strive. Do you know what, what does strive invoke in your mind? Hard, right? It's hard. It is exhausting. It is tiring. It'll wear you out. Strive. That's the word the Bible grabs. And it's just as strong in the Greek as it is in our English language. Strive means it's, I've got to give it everything I have. Strive for peace. And what this means is peace often requires a battle. Sometimes it requires. In fact, let me tell you, I'm just going to give you something that I, I can't prove. I'm just telling you my experience trying to live this out. I found in marriage, in kid relationships, in the home, in the church, and out there in almost every setting, peace normally, if it's going to be had, is waiting for you on the other side of a hard conversation. Almost always. Almost always. If there's not peace and you want to step into the peacemaker role because God's empowered you to do that now, because you can't do it on your own, you can't achieve it, but now that you have received it, you, you're empowered, I have found that peace is not found and had and enjoyed unless a hard conversation takes place. And that's why most people have fake peace. Why? Because you can, you can have counterfeit peace without the hard conversation. We just act like that never happened. Is everything okay between y'all? Oh, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's Christmas time. We'll talk about it next year. Let's just have a good time. Let's not mess up Christmas. That turns into, let's not mess up spring break. That turns into, it's Easter the Lord has risen from the dead. We're not talking about this right now. <laughs> Summertime. We only, we're not, we're not going to do this right now. We're going to have a good summer. Turns into 10 years of, we're just not, we're, next, no, no, you just don't want to have a hard conversation. But hard conversations are what are required for shalom. 
Shalom requires striving. It's hard, I know. Real peace is exhausting. You know what's hard is when my wife and I, I know it's hard to believe, but preachers and their wives, we also sometimes don't see eye to eye. It's normally my fault, you know? But but when when we don't, you know what's hard is being the first one to walk over and go, hey, let's talk about this. Why is that so hard? should be easy, but it's not. But you know what? The Bible says strive for it, work for it. Don't let bitterness and anger rule in your heart and in your home and in your church. Strive for it. Have the conversation. We must be people willing to do this. We want to see shalom, and we won't settle for less. A group of people in the 60s said, we're not settling We're not going to have all those kids over there and all those kids over there. That might look like peace. That's not real peace. That's not relational. That's not good. In fact, we think it's sinful, and they were right. And by God's grace, some good things happened because some people said, we will not settle for that anymore. Now, some of us need to do it in our marriages. Some of you today, during this Christmas season, you need to say, I'm not spending another year on our calendar of life together doing marriage like this. I want shalom in this house, and I am willing to fight for it. And it's going to be work, and we're going to strive. It's probably going to take some counseling, probably going to take some time, but, but I'm in it. Are you in it, babe? Let's do that. Some of those kind of conversations. That's what I'm hoping will happen out of, out of this. Shalom. Is a blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. There's blessing on the other side of that, but it requires often a battle. The Civil War was bad, but Lincoln famously said, this is going to have to be settled on the field. That's what he said, because they had tried every other way for 25 years. Presidents before Abe Lincoln had tried all this other stuff. Let's just negotiate. Uh, let's, let's put a border across the country. And these new states can have slavery, but these new states can't. Let's just try to keep the peace. And Abe Lincoln rolls in. He's like, yeah, we want peace. It's going to be a fight. We're going to fight. And there was. And thank goodness they came through that. Sometimes peace requires a battle in our homes, in our churches, in our world. Paul goes on in Romans 12, 14 through 18, and he gives us just a bunch of action items. He will not let up. He says to those of us who have received peace from God, he says, bless those. By the way, bless. What does that mean? Does that mean you walk up to someone and go, bless you? Folks, that's called a sneeze. That's a sneeze. And if you're from the north, if you're in the south and you sneeze, people will bless you in the south. It's a very powerful thing. That's not what this means. Bless you. Bless is active. It means the person that gets on my nerves just about more than anybody. That's probably where God wants to do the most work in my heart. How am I going to love that person actively? How am I going to be good to them? How am I going to try to help them? How am I going to try to, to... You see what I'm saying? It's hard, isn't it? This is where it gets real life for us. This is the real world we're living in. That's what it looks like. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. By the way, that's the requirement. If you're haughty, if you're proud, if you're arrogant, you cannot do this. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Oh, it's okay, everybody. Just take a breath. That one's tough, isn't it? Because we're all right in our own eyes. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to 
to do what is on, give thought, think about it. Think, what can I do? Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, that's huge. You want to circle that one. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let's unpack that verse for a second. First of all, Paul says, stop playing the reciprocity game in your relationships. Stop playing the, I'll give to you if you'll give to me. I'll be good to you if you'll be good to me. I'll treat you. He's like, that's what the world does. That's what everybody else does. We don't play ball that way. We got a different rule book. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon, come on, Baptist people that know the, the word of God. I got some Baptists just perking up and smiling. I'm so glad I came to church today. All the Presbyterians are like, y'all do a song? How about a catechism? Just all having a little fun here. All my Pentecostal friends are saying, I don't know what y'all are talking about, but amen, whatever it is, amen. Amen. No, we don't play ball that way. We don't play the reciprocal game. We say, I'm going to be good to you whether you're ever good to me or not. And it doesn't mean that you say everything's okay and that you, you don't sin. Look what Paul said in that last verse. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. That means we, we can never break the word of God. Jesus told people the truth. He confronted people. Confrontation often is required to get to shalom peace. But what is clear here is we don't, we don't play the reciprocity game. If possible, by the way, means that sometimes it's not. Do you understand that's the word of God, the Holy Spirit, letting you know that sometimes it's not possible. It wouldn't be there if, if that wasn't the truth. Sometimes it's not possible. Have you ever run into a person like that, that you did everything you could and you go? Because you can't make a person do what you want them to do. You can't look at people and go, you know what? I got some shalom and you're going to get it too. We're going to shalom here whether you like it or not. Eh, that's not going to work. Some people, I've had people where I tried to do this whole thing with, let me just help you here. Some people don't want shalom. They're more comfortable with fake peace. Some people having a conversation where you sit down and go, hey, here's some issues, blows it wide open. And you know what I'm talking about. And you need to be ready for that. You still have the conversation. Because it's the only way to get shalom. shalom. You don't get it any other way. But some people will look at you and go, yeah, 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 wait. just give me the fake peace. Just do your thing, I'll do my thing. I don't want this. I don't want to do that work because watch, everyone doesn't want to strive. Shalom requires striving, okay? But you don't settle. Don't settle. You be the one that does go in and go, let's have the conversation. Let's not live like this. So we should... And, and this is a quote from a great Desiring God article, great theological um, website. We should actively seek peace by any appropriate means possible. Appropriate means word of God. The Bible's the boss here. So I can't tell you sin's okay to make sure things are cool between us. But I'm still going to have a conversation. I'm still going to say, I love you and the, the best we can. Let's have shalom here. Best we can. Seek is active. I can't just feel it and hope. Hope is not enough. I've got to do something with it. And, and let me make this clear. Peace is not conflict avoiding. Shalom is not that. It is wholeness seeking. If we're going to be people of Jesus' peace, 
It means we look for ways to bring shalom. It means I have the hard conversation. I call the family member and go, hey, it's felt weird for five years. Can we just talk? Can we just talk about this? It, in, instead of talk, watch this, because what we do is we talk about each other. I got a little rule. If I talk about you, if, I've, if I'm tempted to talk about you, right then I think I'm required to talk to you. I got to talk to you. By God's grace, I got to come talk to you. Because that's not shalom. By the way, it's a form of cowardice to talk about somebody, but not talk to them, right? I get an amen every now and then. It's tough stuff. I get it. We don't avoid conflict. We seek wholeness. Now, I heard about a story. I want to tell you about a story about my friend, an older, wise, godly black man in our church, Lorenzo. He's been on our parking team forever. And he's one of the best guys you could ever be around. He and his wife bought me one of my favorite study Bibles I have years ago. I didn't know this story. And I stood in a rainy parking lot to make sure that I had permission from him to tell it. And he gave me permission to share his story with you. Lorenzo, when he was a young man, he had an older brother that he adored. He looked up to his older brother. He was an athlete. He was his hero. And in 1970, just, just past the 60s, it was still pretty rough, especially down south. In Alabama, his 27-year-old hero of an older brother was killed by two white guys. They got 18 months. 18 months. Lorenzo, as a young man, looked at his family and declared, I will take that man's, their lives. If it's the last thing I do, I will, I will make this right. It's my brother. It's my hero. And I will make this right. But he had a godly dad. A godly dad who loved his son. The one he lost and the one that was still with him. And his godly dad was a peacemaker, not just a peace hoper. So one day he looked at Lorenzo and said, hey, bud, get in the car. Why? Like all kids do. They're dead. Why? I said, get in the car, you know. Where are we going? You'll see. And as they pulled into the prison parking lot, his dad looked at him and said, Bud, if you don't deal with this, it's going to destroy you. This is going to, it's going to destroy you. It's going to change you if you don't deal with this. And a peacemaker for a dad led his son into a prison. They sat down at a table and looked eye to eye with the guys who took his brother's life and Lorenzo looked at me in our parking lot here at the church with his vest and everything on with tears in his eyes and said that saved my life that saved my life my dad saved my life that day because the thing you can't forget this is why it says blessed is the peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers when I make peace it's as much about me as it is them. Don't forget that today. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen? Jesus, I thank you for your word today. And as we ask that question, who do we need to make peace with this season? I pray that you'd bring the names to mind. I pray that every one of us will answer that question today as we leave. 
Who do I need to make peace with, if at all possible? By your power. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.